This is exactly right. supposed to sound conversational or just in tune like simultaneous can i be honest i don't know what we're doing i don't either. either but i like the arm raise part i think it's kind of like a and it's we're off like a um conduct but like we're conductors of an orchestra yeah a murder orchestra now i think this is like episode 55 and we still haven't figured out how to start the stupid fucking podcast but really it's space it's like episode three though because this is the third episode in my new apartment that's so right it's like third or second i uh, three third third-ish third yeah 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 yeah, um, yeah 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 so we're getting used to it you know like we don't know it's we just gotta different. feel it out it's definitely different it's different i can see the kitchen i'm staring at that you there's totally new blinds yeah um, Weird. it's big it's definitely a, lo- a bigger space yeah um, it, it just feels like we have to fill more it doesn't feel like mine yet so like we're podcasting at a stranger's house right like I don't want to spill anything on the couch I love this couch by the way thank you it's really good I, I want it I got a deal on it yeah you're it's very smart of you thank you um, Ikea guys hey hi Hi, oh, hi. This is the Furniture Hour. This is introspection <laughs> evening. This is apartment introspection. Um, I would like to say, just as a kicker offer, mm-hmm. I got in a lot of trouble that I haven't yet watched the Slenderman documentary from one Miss Julie Klausner. Really? Who I saw last week because she did Guy's show when yeah. I was working on it. And it was the first thing she said to me is, oh my God, can you believe the Slenderman? Don't you and love that about people now? Is that the first thing they talk to you about is murder? And they're so mad when you don't know what they're talking about or that you haven't watched it. Okay, can I just say, love Julie Klausner, her book, uh, I Don't Care About Your Man. Amazing. Yeah. Yes. She's fucking... That was the stupidest fucking documentary. Ooh, girl. Dude. Yes. It just was like... Shots fired. Shots fired. It was a really cool uh, documentary about psychological issues that the two girls who stabbed the shit out of their friend had. Yes. But as far as like the folklore of the Slender Man, it just like wasn't compelling. It was cool. Like like, there were two different documentaries. One was about like uh, creepypasta and like cool stories that people online write about like creepy things. Yes. And one was about two girls who have some serious mental issues right so i just didn't love it you were you looking for more of that slender man folklore story and I, you and it just was too much of real people no i knew i already i, I went in knowing that it wouldn't be that it wouldn't i wouldn't be happy with it right because i'd read about it a lot and the, like i love the old like black and white photos that like purportedly show slender man in the background and it's fucking cool as shit slender man is the fakest of all of those yeah. like first of all creepy pasta i want to get into it and anytime you know like last podcast on the left has yes. episodes that where they read listeners creepy pastas and i can practically see the 14 year old boy writing it at his desk yeah like it is so because some so you get kind of hooked in there was one i remember one uh not on that 
podcast, but one time reading by myself at home. And it was about these guys that had found this hole. And it on the website, I think I may have found it on Reddit. I can't remember where it was like guys who found a hole that they kept going into. They were like basically caving. Mm-hmm. And then it's like they basically climbed in at one point really far and kind of got stuck. And then something came at them right. at the end. Yeah, it, they're, they're like, they're made up horror stories or like creepy stories and that's cool but yeah it's like a little well the problem is that with all storytelling the hardest part is the ending yeah the hardest part is why are you telling this whole thing what is it going to lead up to and commas which are they're lacking <laughs> endings and commas <laughs> and, and maybe accurate spelling accurate spelling and punctuation the whole thing is basically a visit to a junior high yeah. class I never had to be in because if, I'm too old if I were 20 and I could read this shit and the internet like existed in its form now yeah i would be i would be so obsessed yeah but i'm not and i can't and i won't and you and for this slender man it's like well i never heard one hint or hair of slender man when i was growing up which means this isn't even based in reality it's not like an old witch that it's like did you hear about that did yeah. you hear about the blair bloody witch mary bloody mary did you hear tell this is slender man is as it's almost like they did they did some test focused groups at the mall of like what would scare you a really tall skinny man in the back of the playground hot topic yes which like I work there I'm not trying to talk sh- I am talking shit but I work there too so fuck you it's it's kind of like Jack Skellington's yes. head got stretched yeah instead of Jack Skellington being sweet with a big round pumpkin head his head got stretched and he turned strangely evil and he just decided to lurk what the be- the best part of this documentary to me was the girl who ends up having like serious mental issues that stab their friend which I think is an interesting story if you're into true crime the mother her mother that they interview like there's something mentally wrong with her Mm -hmm. like she's a kind of like crazy in this really subtle way and like that study to me like watch it if you're into that like and tell me what's going on there because she's trying to be so empathetic but it's so creepy and not right it's you, like if ted bundy were trying to be empathetic like when ooh. he has that weird interview and you're like something is off here wait hold on knock 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 yes who is it oh we are being sued by the mother of the <laughs> slender man child murderer i think um, their fucking name man well <laughs> slender, i think their name slender man well but also isn't that what everybody's watching any of those things yeah. for is like basically you're the armchair psychologist and you're watching because it's like yeah you're right two kids two 12 year old girls as intense as being in junior high for girls is and I would I will literally and truly we've talked about it a million times would not go back for five million dollars I would never Mm-mm. go back Mm-mm. I mean but, five million is a lot of money well, no yeah, you would spend it by the time you got to our age that's a right. stupid fucking idiot on your own. Um, but uh, it doesn't happen out of nowhere no and so there are those weird combinations of things that happen if like if you don't have I'm like thank god I had an older sister that told me to shut up all the time because then I actually did shut up some of the time yeah and so I didn't suffer 99% of the yeah. time thank god I had a mom and a sister who made me feel so bad about myself that I was scared to say anything yes and so I didn't say most of the shit yeah <laughs> no it's, it's true I mean I yeah. yeah um oh speaking of armchair not armchair so i've been like deep into fucking true crime this week for some reason mm-hmm. this past week mm-hmm. and this show i think i told you about it on friday uh it's called crime in the family and it's so fucking good it's the chick no 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 
It's called Killer in the Family. Of course, I got that wrong. <laughs> so Laura Richard, who is one of the hosts of the Real Crime Profile podcast, who also who also you know led the case of John Benet Ramsey documentary where they hit the kid with the flashlight, oh, hit yeah, the doll yeah. with the flashlight. Yes. So she turns out is really fucking smart and cool, and she's the head of the Violent Crime and Intelligence Analysis Unit in the UK, and she has fucking stopped. Uh, family killings by identifying like at risk offenders wow. and fixing them before they kill their whole family. So every fucking episode is a different kind of family killer, like person who kills their family, it turns out. Um, <laughs> and she, it's not just like salacious. She tells you, like, here's one of the warning signs. Here's what he did first. Here's like the shit leading up to the murder. Yes. So that you can identify those signs. And your boyfriend or husband, I guess. I don't know. Or your wife. I don't know. Or a young girl that lives in the apartment complex yeah. near you. Thank God I was like, does Vince have that? Vince doesn't have that. Vince doesn't have that. No, Vince is not like that at all. Like, I just kept doing that. No. Yeah. So I'm not going to get killed by Vince. Good. But it's really good. good news. It's on Netflix. I Killer in the Family. Check it. That's Oh, so it's a new series on Netflix? I don't know. It's, I don't know if it's a new series, but I think it just got on Netflix. Yeah, I've never heard of and it, it's so good. that's and cool. This chick, fucking Laura Richards, is cool as shit. Cool. Yeah. Um, also, turns out, Woochester is <laughs> nuts. It's Wooster. Did you know that? Uh, I or, wouldn't have known it from spelling. It's Worcester. It's spelled Worcester. Yeah. And it's I got, pronounced Worcester. Worcester. I think you have to do the like, Wooster. Yeah, you have to talk, talk like Marky Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> I didn't know. How am I supposed to know? We are from California. Yeah. Yeah. No. Pe- people Oops. who live in Boston or from Boston get real up in arms about Wooster. Wooster. Um, that, that's Corrections Corner. Oh, okay. Do you have any? Uh, not offhand. Yeah. I think we totally nailed it last week. There's not <laughs> one thing that we said incorrect. I'm, except Wooster. Except Wooster. Uh, also, I haven't, I haven't, I, to, admittedly, I've been working so much yeah. that I haven't been able to be online or ha- make any mistakes or make mistakes. <laughs> I've just been, oh, I nail it. You know, I feel like when I work, I just nail it constantly. Yeah. Like you don't have time to think. And so your brain isn't like second guessing. I you. get in my own way. I yeah. just like naturally good. Like you're, you're the best when you're just being you. <laughs> you guys always be you unless you're a murderer. Isn't that a meme? Yeah. Uh, is it? Yeah. That you just Always made up? Always be yourself. No, it's like, a, it's not mine. Always be yourself. Unless you're a murderer, then don't be yourself. I don't know. That's hilarious and catchy. <laughs> it should be one if it's not. Um, I can't I also, tell if you're making fun of me. <laughs> I am, absolutely. <laughs> good, good. That was... That was a lot. Do okay. you ha- do we have do we have to talk about this tour? We are now basically like um, the Eagles, where we're yeah. on tour every weekend. We had a meeting where we found out how many more tour dates are coming. If you live in some part of the United States where we have no, we are not uh, like on record as yeah. to be visiting yet, then don't you can worry. stop tweeting at us. Yeah, don't Come worry. to South Carolina. We'll probably... Don't be mad at us just because we're in this part. Of, we're not. It's not about that. <laughs> Texas, we hear you. Yeah. Texas, we hear you. This isn't the one. This isn't the only one. Yeah. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. There seems to be so much more that I 
as we were having that meeting and we were making these plans, I was like, I have to get like my teeth fixed. What? I have to get my teeth fixed so that I'm not on a plane and somehow like some two, like I like I have that. That's my anxiety oh. of like, we're going to be traveling and I'm going to be in some weird place. And then all of a sudden it's like, uh, mine is that I'm going to die in the, and not like in a weird place. Just like, oh, suddenly you're just dead. Yeah, that I'm going to die or that Vince is going to die. And we're like the thought of someone dying when you're not close to them or you dying and you're far away, like is so much worse to me than like than dying in the same city somehow. That's worse (laughs) than someone dying directly next to you with their eyes open staring at you. Yeah, like at least I can be next to you the whole time instead of like having to go through the airport security and like and you being and I can't do anything to help and like ugh. I mean, there's no, yeah, there's nothing so, good about it. Traveling is going to be fun with me, Karen. I mean, I feel like we should start stockpiling pills now. Yeah. Just like whatever pills we can get our hands yeah. on. Yeah. Don't send us your fucking Etsy merch. We want pills. Unless you're is, adding. Is this illegal? <laughs> <laughs> We're not fucking sending it. Yes. Or, 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 because we have these feelings yep. and we know about them, they were going to have like very peak experiences because yeah. it's like, Whoa, we lived and that was fun and we and we saw that one river or And whatever. everything was fine. And everything was fine and then we got back home. Yeah, that's my like I mean and I work on this a lot in therapy where it's like what like what if you get home and everything was fine? Aren't you gonna be bummed that you were worrying the whole time? Like what a waste of this fucking incredible experience. Right. Also I'm gonna leave a note in every hotel Bible. I don't know why. What? What What's it going to say? I don't know. I just like, that's my like plan to get excited about something. I'm going to leave a note in every hotel Bible, hotel room that I stay in, in their Bible. Can I make a suggestion? Yes. What if you just draw a middle finger? (laughs) Like just a drawing of just a hand flipping off. Your middle finger or my correct middle finger? Wait. Remember we got in oh, that's got right. a huge fight? Yeah, that's right. One of our big fights. One of our biggest fights. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I wonder if I'm not going to draw in a Bible. I'm going to put a post-it note in a, a Bible. A post-it note of a middle finger. Yeah, for, for uh, I don't know why that's the first thing that popped in my head. I went to Catholic school, so maybe it was just like worst case scenario. Yeah, or a big Jewish star. We, have, we got it first. <laughs> Make it, put a Jewish star right where the New Testament starts. Yeah. As if to Do- say, just start doesn't exist. It's like a stop sign, <laughs> yeah. but it's a Jewish star. Or what if in the in the beginning where it says the Bible, you know, do, do they have an opening like the Bible? The Bible written by. Yeah, I'll just put a. I'll just change it to Tor- the Torah. <laughs> People are like, "What the hell?" Yeah, the Torah. Actually, I'll you write know, that. Uh, in uh, actually, Oops, sorry. What am I saying? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. This is the Torah. Uh, there's a couple people that have tweeted us and they figured out how to write I'm sorry and the I'm is tiny. I don't know how they did that. Do you? How the, it, oh. like the text of I'm is really small like compared legitimately to the sorry. Small? No, I don't know how they did that. I don't either. It was pretty cool. Someone actually tweeted us and it said, I'm sure someone's already done this, but look. And then it said, Sorry. I bet it's those fucking young creepy pasta fucking Slenderman kids <laughs> who know how to work the internet like we don't. It's some 14-year-old boy who we had been shitting on who was like, but I made the I'm sorry yeah. text who for you. Who stopped listening yeah. five minutes. Was it five minutes ago? Because he, had, he was like, oh, I'm not wanted here. One hot tear burning down his oh, cheek. Oh, honey, come back. And underneath his, uh, his, his transition lenses. <laughs> 
<laughs> Listen, we're your mothers. We're trying to make you get out and fucking play in the street. That's right. Please play in the street. <laughs> Go talk to strangers. Like get to get to know people. Like don't sit in home and like write Slenderman fucking cosplay. They're like, but, but this whole time you've been telling me to stay at home and not talk to strangers. Wait, not cosplay. Not trust anybody. What's the one where they were like Kermit and like Gonzo bone each other? Oh, like erotic fan fiction? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My God, I'm aging myself so much. Dude, um, <laughs> we might die before this tour even starts. Uh, Let's get honest. Okay. Uh, all right. Should we start this thing? I, I don't that. think oh. we have any other. Do we have other stuff? I have a um, merch corner. Okay. We have, to do, we have to mention a couple live shows. And then we have a merch corner. A merch corner. Um, so we have a new... We have Toxic Masculinity Ruins the Party, one of Karen's great quotes. Um, we, have a, we have a bunch of merch with that on it. I just bought a t-shirt. Can you wear your own shit if it's political? Can you wear your own... Like, is it like a band thing where you can't wear your own merch? I, I'm not sure. These days, I'm not sure how I'm any not of either. that works. But I feel like that one is like a, a saying, and it doesn't say my favorite murder on it. But anyways, for the, sh- the t-shirts of the toxic masculinity we're giving 50% to the ACLU throughout February. Mm-hmm. So if you want a fucking t-shirt, go buy it and feel good about yourself, mm-hmm. man. And then we have some live shows. Steven gave me the thing. Okay. If you live in one of these cities, uh, Seattle, nope. Indianapolis, Milwaukee, Washington, DC, Baltimore, Glenside, Pennsylvania, go buy a ticket to our show. You can go to myfavoritemurder.com slash live. Oh, and our merch is on myfavoritemurdershirts.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's tickets left at all those shows, yeah. which is cool. Yeah. Um, so if you feel like it, you can go to one of those. I mean, maybe we'll, maybe we'll say hi. The end. Goodbye. Bye. Hey, Karen, you know that feeling when you're stressed out and your heart starts to pound and your mind is racing? I do. I know it well. Well, while there's no cure for stress, therapy can help shape your response to it. And since May is Mental Health Awareness Month, there's no better time to try Talkspace. When you sign up for Talkspace, you'll receive a personalized match with a therapist or psychologist, typically within 48 hours. Forbes rates Talkspace as the number one online therapy platform, plus their licensed professionals are in network with almost all major insurance companies. Once you meet your therapy goals, or if you want to cancel for any reason, Talkspace will provide you with a prorated refund for unused time. I feel like these days people understand the importance of therapy, but the difficult part is just taking that first step. It took me months to make my first therapy appointment. I was so scared. I had a lot of ideas in my head about it. And that's why I think Talkspace is such a good idea, because making it so approachable will just get you there sooner. Then you can actually get in there, figure out what you need, talk to an actual professional, and be on your way to solving some stuff that you might want to solve. To celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering our listeners $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80. Go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and use promo code SPACE80. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and enter promo code SPACE80 and get $80 off your first month and show your support for our show. That's Talkspace.com slash MFM. Enter promo code space 80 if you're like me you're always looking for a story to dive into whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve the key to getting hooked is the details i need rich visuals and intricate storylines and june's journey has that and more 
June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Who's first this week? Karen Kay. Steven. Steven. Thank God. Okay. This... Now, now that I don't have a job, it was super fun to sit down in front of my computer and have nothing else fucking standing over me. Isn't it fun? And get into something. Yeah. And here's how I found this, this murder specifically. The, I had one packet left of the murder cards Ooh. that those, those, um, serial killer or, or murderer cards. like true crime playing cards or something. Um, not the cold case playing cards, but oh. they were just the bait, like baseball cards. Yeah. Remember that we got, Steven, did you get us those for Christmas? Yes. He's like, <laughs> yeah, you motherfuckers. Yes. Yes, I did. Um, so I had one pack left. I looked over. I was sitting in. Fr- I was like, crick, 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 ready to find some story. And then crick, I looked crick, over. Crick is hurt. She just cracked her fingers. Oh, yeah. That's me cracking my knuckles. And um, I looked over and I had one packet unopened oh of God. those cards. It's a sign. I open it up. There's, of course, three mafia guys where it's mm-hmm. like, enough no. already with you people. Yeah. <laughs> um, Eileen Warnos is in there. Hi. How are you? Exciting. But, you know. Well-trod territory. Sure. Then I come upon this. Oh, my God. 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 And this is the best idea to get murders because I'm like, what am I going to fucking do? I should just shuffle a deck and pick one that's not mobbed. Because there's tons of good ones. Uh, and they start you off like you know every detail. Yeah. And then you can be like, oh, yeah, there is enough there. This is the kind I yeah. want to talk about. I'm sorry. So- do that again with your paper. because that was. And so... <clears throat> also, I just really enjoyed like I was typing. It was all for myself. I didn't have to turn it in. Nobody was waiting for me to turn it in. Yeah. Oh, girl. Honey. I like it. Okay. Come with me back to France. Ooh. February 2nd, 1933. Ooh. That's right. Uh, so, a man named Monsieur Lancelot is supposed to have dinner with his wife and daughter at their friend's house. He gets there first. They're supposed to meet him there. At 6.30, they don't show up. <gasps> So he goes home to see what's taking them so long. He arrives to find the front door, the front door is bolted from the inside and the only light on in the entire house is the glow of a single candle. Mm. So he knows that something is terribly wrong. So he goes to the police station because he thinks a prowler has broken in. Uh, he brings the police back to the house and two officers climb the back wall and break in the back door. Inside, all the lights in the house are out, and it's totally silent. Um, they look around the ground floor with their flashlights. They're quietly looking around because they're all thinking there's a prowler inside the house. Yeah. Um, 
and they start to climb the back stairs quietly. Um, and when they're almost to the first floor landing, so basically the ground floor, they're calling the first floor the ground floor mm-hmm. and the second floor the first floor in this story. Got it. I don't know if it's a French thing. I found it very confusing, but it's basically ground floor, first floor, second floor. Right. <clears throat> I did that with my hands visually only for Georgia. Sorry, everybody <laughs> at home. Okay. So as they're almost to the first floor, and really the second floor landing, <laughs> Uh, the first officer on the stairs sees a white marble in on the stair in front of him. So he leans down to pick it up. It's an eyeball. Yes, 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 yes. We're off to the races. No, ew. It's a human eyeball looking up at him. So they climb the last few steps um, to the first floor, which is actually the second floor, <laughs> and they find the bodies of Mrs. Lancelot and her daughter, her adult daughter, brutally murdered. Oh, my God. Their faces, quote, reduced to a pulp. Oh, my God. That, oh, I've read a couple of those, and that blows my mind okay. every time. I was super bummed because after I read this card, read the Wikipedia page, then I found on YouTube, which I highly recommend, um, a British crime series. And now there's all these ones I want to watch. I, of course, forgot to write down what the name of it is, but this one was about them. And they had all these French like experts and all these people, whatever. And the British narrator also spoke French. Um, so he pronounced all these names really well. But <laughs> there is a... Good for him. Good for him. You know what? That's how it is over there in Europe. Great. We're happy for him. Um, There is a picture of this crime scene (gasps) that I accidentally saw. I don't. From 1933. And it is so fucking awful. I want to see it. Is that gross? Uh, No, I mean, it's, that's what some people are all about. I'm not normally about it because it sticks my, Brain takes a picture of it and I can look back at it anytime I want to, which then I'll do that all the time. So I normally don't. Yeah. But there was a part where they talk about how the adult daughter, um, Genevieve, that her calves and butt were stabbed and slashed. And as they're explaining that part, the picture just pans across. Oh, they don't even tell you. Yeah, they don't, they didn't prep you in any way and it was really horrifying like it was really really gruesome and and like and not just like thin knife marks like these big huge open gashes and like as many as you could fit on the back of both legs fuck are you serious it was horrible then it pans out and shows both and these women, you, you can't see their faces. They're, Ugh. they're so, uh, it's such a gruesome attack. Yeah. Ba- bashing the head to pulp. I, I saw like a crime scene photo once on like cold case files where you couldn't see the guy's head because there was like, he had a hoodie on and there was just nothing there. Yes. And I did not want to see that. That's how this is. It's really upsetting because it's like the front of them looks, they look like old fashioned thirties women. Yeah. And then yeah. Horrifying. So, so it really is that. Okay. So the officers there, so they come upon the scene. They said there's teeth and bone on the floor. It's like, it's just, it's brutal carnage. So they're thinking, okay, this murderer is still in the house because it's the the front door is bolted from the inside yeah so they go up to the second story uh third story third 
third for us, second for France. <laughs> and they're checking everything. They come, they check every single room and they check the laundry room and they see that there is an iron sitting there with a wrinkled shirt on the ironing board. And they realize that the maids in the house were surprised while they were working. <laughs> and, um, and interrupted during their work. And so they're like, okay, so there's two maids that are probably also the victims of this guy mm-hmm. in this house. So they're like, holy shit. Where are they? So room by room, they're, they're looking for this guy, you know, the intruder and these bodies. How scary. Like with a fucking flashlight doing that. Horrifying. Right. Once they see that, once they see the actual first murder scene and then they find in the laundry, the laundry room that the maids were there and that their work was interrupted. They go back downstairs. They let the sergeant into the house and then the, um, other policemen send for the superintendent, the examining magistrate and the coroner. Um, and then the police go back up and continue to search the rest of the house. And uh, it finally ends at the maid's chambers. They find that that room is bolted from the inside. So they're like, okay, this guy's in this room. Um, they worry that the b- dead bodies of the maids are in there with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so they call a locksmith. And so then the lock, they wait around for the locksmith to come and they're listening at the door while they wait for the locksmith and, and it's dead silent. Locksmiths take time. I know, right? Yeah. In like a little French village. Um, so <laughs> I said, this is back when doors were actually made of something. You couldn't just break it down by like mm-hmm. throwing your shoulder into it twice, like every <laughs> cop show, which then made me think of the time that my sister, uh, I really wanted to borrow this pink and black pinstripe jumpsuit of my sisters in high school. Horrible. It's so 80s. It looked like it was like black and pink pinstripe. Black and pink Jump pinstripe. Suit. Jumpsuit. So it was like black lapel, black buttons. Oh my God. A black patent leather belt. Yes. It and sounds, then, you know what it sounds? Snazzy. It's <laughs> snazzy jazz hands. <laughs> Jumpsuit. What's your name? Snazzy um, jazz. Snazzy, snazzy jazz hands. Uh, my sister, who was a lot thinner than me in high school, was like, no, you can't borrow it. It'll look bad on you, which <sighs> it did. But she was like, had no problem. Being you like, wanted to show her. Don't do it. So then I made my mom make her lend it to me. And she's like, fine, and gave it to me. But she didn't give me the belt. So <laughs> the middle part was just elastic without the belt yeah. with two loops that the belt was supposed to go through. Yeah. And it made me so angry that I kicked a hole in the bottom of my sister's bedroom door. Holy shit. Because we were home alone. So my, my sister's like, fine, you can borrow it and threw it at me, but then there's no belt. So it was like the whole thing fell apart. So I got, it was just like Rage. the culmination of everything kicked a hole in the bottom of her door. She opened the door like, holy shit. And then we were both like, oh no, like now we're dead. Because it was both, it doesn't matter that you did it. No. You did it because she was pissing you off. We're both in trouble. So you're both in fucking trouble. And big trouble because my dad did not play with stuff like that. Like, yeah, he was, he would get really mad. So we took one of those, remember those really big Mrs. Grossman stickers? There was like really big hearts, really kind of basic teddy bears. Yes. It was like the first sticker wave of the early 80s. Yeah. So I had a really huge Mrs. Grossman (laughs) sticker and we just stuck it at the bottom of my sister's door. I think it's sweet that she like helped you. Yeah. She had, well, she had to. I know, but it's also like, 
sweet. Yeah, she knew she was being an asshole. Yeah. Then my mom came home from work because, like, you think I'm stupid? Yeah. Like, oh. I know you didn't put a sticker at the bottom of Laura's door for no reason. <laughs> and it's like concave. Too. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> and we were super scared. And then my mom goes, No, you do realize that your dad, because my dad had eight brothers and sisters, when they would fight, they fought one time so bad that they were chasing one brother. That one brother locked himself in the room and the other brothers took the door off the hinges to get Holy to it. Holy shit. And she's like, no, he has, he'll have nothing to say about this. Don't worry about it. It's not annoying about parents. It's like you never know it's going to fucking piss them off. That's exactly right. Dude. Like if you act scared, then they'll be on your side. Yeah. And if you're like, yeah, fuck it. I kicked a thing. And you know, <laughs> then you're like, you're grounded for eight days. Anyhow, listen, it's like the locksmith shows up. Because they had to literally break in that way. Okay, I forgot he, where we were. Yeah. I know. <laughs> now we're back in France and a horrible, horrible okay, murder has... cut from Sacramento to France. <laughs> Petaluma. Petaluma. Um, <clears throat> they push... He pushes a thing. He makes the key fall out of the other side. They open the door and the two maids are in bed. Sleeping? No. With puppies? Just with each other. Sisters, just in their robes. And... One of the maids says, we were expecting you. <gasps> Wait, they're not dead? No. Uh, next to the bed, there's a candle on a stool. And next to the candle, there's a hammer covered in blood. <gasps> so That's right, girl. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was not. I thought it was the dad. Oh, my God. I was not expecting that. I really made it. So I twisted and turned you on this one. You're a good storyteller. Thank you. Um it's, it's because I hated my sister so much. <laughs> oh, thanks, Laura. Thanks a lot. It's all to her doing. Um, so the police ask them, what did you do to your masters? And the masters. older maid replies, they wanted to hit me. I would rather do my masters in than let them do us in. But like with a thousand blows. Yeah. So holy shit! The police ask their names, and the maid tells them that she is Christine Papin, and the other maid is her younger sister Leah, or Leah, I'm sure. When the police sergeant accuses them of murdering the mother and the daughter, Leah cries out, "They shouldn't have threatened us!" And the police um, start to focus their questioning on Leah because she seems to be the more fragile of the two. But then, with just one look from her sister, she falls silent, and Christine tells the police that Leah is deaf and dumb. Mm. And then Leah doesn't say another word, and they, the police take them away. Uh, okay. So. The mother and daughter have mortal stab wounds to the head and face, as I already said. The daughter has stab wounds to the butt and calves. The maid slashed the woman's faces open and then smashed their heads with a heavy pewter pot. Uh, there was blood going up all the walls, Fuck. and both women had their eyes pulled out. <gasps> what have we said? Leave the eyes alone. Leave them alone. Dude. But not these two. No. Um, their oh dresses. Oh my God. Were they alive when their eyes got. Yes. Do you think they were alive when their eyes got. They were. Plucked. Yeah. We'll hear about that later. Oh no. I don't want 
want details? <laughs> You're going to get them. Oh, shit. The dresses were, uh, their, both of their dresses were pulled up and their underwear were pulled down. That's so weird. that they were exposed. Um, but the experts in this documentary, uh, talked about how this was like one of those crime scenes that was from the beginning was compromised because the cops were walking through it. They didn't know, even know they were walking through it. The locksmith walked through it. Um, the crime scene photographer walked through it and because of the time they pulled up the dresses, they pulled up the underwear and pulled down the dresses so that they could take Uh, the crime scene photo. They didn't leave it as it was. To be decent. Yes, exactly. Um, so Christine, uh, the older sister, the older maid uh, was questioned and she said that the iron had broken the day before they had to have it fixed. So the iron broke again that day and they knew their mistress would be angry. I'm sorry. Irons fucking break, dude. Well, what's interesting, and I wish there was more to be found out about what this family was actually like. Yeah. Because it's one of those things where now they're dead and you can't know. Yeah. It was this really intense, like hideous job. Um, Anyway, I mean, if you get mad at someone for something that they have absolutely no control over, like what else do you get pissed about? Right. Are you some kind of crazed monster, like mommy dearest type boss? Yeah. Um, so, uh, so Christine says that when Mrs. Lancelot, uh, when she told Mrs. Lancelot the iron was broken again, that that her mistress set upon her. So uh, as she saw her coming at her, Christine decided to leap at her face and tear her eyes out with her fingers. (gasps) Yeah. And then the daughter came in because she heard that going on. And as she heard that, Christine yelled to Leah, tear her eyes out. Holy fuck. And then the, so Leah does it to the daughter. No. Yes. Then the both women are on their knees, like holding their eye, Can holding their faces. And that like, dude. And that's when they started, that's when they pick up the, they, they started hitting in the head with this pewter pot that was nearby. And then one of them went downstairs and got the other instrument. So they went to the kitchen and got a knife and a hammer and brought it back upstairs. Like the moment your eyes have been plucked out, you know, you have no hope. Like there's no, no, it's getting at it. There's no, like, they're not going to like, it's not going to be a fight and then they're going to walk away. Yeah. No, no. I mean, then, then they're helpless. Also, it's just so goddamn horrifying. You're starting, you're starting with the fucking, the death blow. Well, also who can do that? Oh my God. Who can do that? I can't imagine it's easy. Like it's an easy thing to do. Like not even just, (laughs) not even just the, I don't even mean like, I don't even mean like pulling someone's, I like the actual strength and like, exactly. What's it called? Uh, agility. No fortitude, fortitude. And, um, with your hands. Yes. Agility. I think you're like, I should be able to know how to do it. Yeah. No, it's, and it's just the grossest, like, you know, like a a haunted house where like, it's like, Ooh, cow eyeballs in a bowl or whatever. And like, you don't even want to put your hand in what are basically grapes covered in, you know, whatever. Like they do stuff like that where it's just like, even just the feeling of it, much less yanking them out. And the fact that they could both do it. Like the sister was like, you do that too. And she wasn't like, no, yeah, she was going to hit her. I'm on this. (sighs) Okay. 
uh, they swapped instruments several times. Oh so they God. were both beating the shit out of both of them. Oh my God. At the end of her testimony, Christine said, I have no regrets. You don't have one or two? I mean, <laughs> it's okay. Oh, well, you can think about it for a little while. Go <laughs> nope. over what you, no. even the eyes. I, no, nothing, no, nothing you know comes what? to mind. I feel good about all of it. Uh, and the thing that freaked the cops out were Leah's answers were exactly the same as Christine's. Oh, yeah. So they knew they weren't getting the full story because it was su- such a rehearsed story. Yeah. So. However. Okay, go ahead. What? Nothing. I mean, the fact that they're admitting to such horrifying things is like, well, what else is there that they're keeping from them? Yeah. This isn't like the worst thing they could ever say. No. And it wasn't like they're trying to blame them. Right. They're like they're blaming him for being a bitch about the iron. Yeah, that's as bad as it got. Yeah, they weren't saying, "Well, they beat us every single yeah. day" or anything. Uh, we just snapped because they were so awful to it. You know, it's like, no, we fucking went after the balls of their eyes. <laughs> we went for it. Okay, oh, so they find out that the upbringing is basically they had an unhappy um, uh, parents who were unhappily married. The mother was thought to be very disturbed. Um, they had an older sister who was sent to live at a Catholic orphanage who eventually became a nun and like moved away. Christine um, was sent to live with her aunt for the first seven years of her life and was supposed, supposed to be happy. Then Leah was born and both girls were sent to a Catholic orphanage mm. by this mother. So the mother was just like not handling anything. No. Um, when she's 15, though, the mother takes Christine out of the orphanage and places her to work as a maid. Uh-huh. So that's when she starts. She started working as a maid when she was 15 years old. And in 1926, in April of 1926, Christine starts working at the Lon Salon's house. And then when Lee is old enough, she comes and joins her sister. Um, uh, you know, so basically, Mrs. Lancelot is said to be a demanding mistress. She liked her house very clean. The girls were up at seven o'clock every morning, cooking, cleaning, going to the market. They worked 14 hour days. Jesus. They had like an, an hour off here and there. They were fle- free to leave the house or just go up to their room. But a lot of, uh, there's a lot of theories that this was basically that at this period of time, these were like, it was the bourgeoisie who were exploiting the working class. Yeah, for so sure. it was like, I'll pay you a pittance. You're going to come and you're just basically going to work for as long as I want you to. Like you're available 24 hours a day. There's yes. no, I mean, yeah, it wasn't like there were workers rights back then. Exactly. Um, it's kind of like how we are with Steven. <laughs> Do our bidding. Maybe I'll buy you a Del Taco. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah. Steven, you owe her two bucks for that. <laughs> <laughs> for the number four combo. Uh, okay. So both uh, of those, both of the Pampan sisters are found to be sane. Um, and they say their relationship was not found to be suspect. But they were found in bed together, kind of nude, hmm. in a way. Hmm. And they said, eventually it comes out that they were very close, quote unquote. Huh. Um, uh, one of the theories of why they pulled the women's eyes out oh. was because Mrs. Lancelot caught the sisters having sex. Oh, shit. And speculation officer speculation officer for sure but they were saying because of how homosexuality was viewed at the time yeah. that it would be such inc- it would it in of its in and of itself would be taboo and then it's incestual maybe it wasn't her I sister mean incestuous. 
Maybe oh. it wasn't her sister. You have to see these pictures. They're sisters. They look almost exactly alike. Okay. They have the same awesome French eyebrows, mm. but they look, they're so frightening. They look like a picture out of, they look like the thing of like, uh, you know, no one's lived in this house for 50 years. Yeah, what do you mean? You, you met picture. the mistresses of the house. And, yeah. Oh and my. then it's like, she used to live here. And then you're like, oh, that's the woman that shows up yeah, <sighs> yeah. at night in the hallway. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. So, 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 um, Christine finally admits after being held in prison for five months, Christine finally admits it was her idea to murder the women. Leah was just doing her bidding. Mm-hmm. Um, so the trial was held in September of 1933 huge this was like the trial of the century this is in um le mans which is a small village i don't know how it's big, pronounced but. wooster what it's pronounced wooster <laughs> um but like all the biggest newspapers in france go to it it's packed it's crazy mm-hmm the sisters come in they're both they both look very sheepish and um they whisper you can barely hear them talking the whole time and christine admits to everything there's no they don't put up any kind of argument and the prosecution psychologist attests there's nothing wrong with the sisters there's nothing in their background to suggest there's anything abnormal about them psychologically and christine they say christine is of average intelligence and leah is of low intelligence Mm -hmm. But the defense psychologist has a different opinion. He brings up that there is almost no motive, yet the brutality is beyond extreme. Yeah. And he suggests there's a third person present at the murders, the combination of the personalities between Christine and Leah, that they had, because they were so close and they were the only person the other person had, they had this kind of weird connection they call it a folly adieu which is when you hear but you know that story of those other two weird um twins that ran ran into the freeway yeah yeah um and then there's there's those ones and then there's another set of twins they're um black sisters yes who also had a similar who went to a mental institution and was like whoever dies first has to live a normal the other has to live a normal life exactly so that they they call that a folly adieu which means that you're both you're having a shared hallucination wow. and they they also associate that with um couple killers uh-huh. that basically you're living in this weird fantasy together outside of the realm of normal thinking wow um, oh that's interesting so they believe they also one of the uh, that's uh, defense psychologist suggest that they were going through something called hysteroepilepsy which i didn't look up <laughs> And it could directly impact my life. Um, but it's basically like they were in a state that, that Christine was in a state and that Leah was just so under her sway that she would, you, she had no choice. How do you have like, is sustained epilepsy a thing? No, no, hystero epilepsy. Okay. So that's just like the, they went hysterical that their their brain like went crazy. I'm not sure. I should have looked it up to find out exactly no. what he meant. I want to guess. It's I more mean, fun. that's all we do. Yeah. But it's basically like they're in, they're in some kind of a his, hysterical yeah. state. Okay. I dig it. Uh, I mean, but the weird thing is it's like clearly something special is happening yeah. in this situation. Cause it's not like they didn't jump at the women Beat him up. Beat him up. Hit him in the head once. Yeah. It wasn't like that. This is sustained, extreme, insane violence. Yeah. This is like, yeah, dude. Crazy. Uh, So 
basically the jury, the judge and jury, uh, find them both guilty. Christine is sentenced to death because she basically comes forward and says it was my idea. Um, She's ordered to be beheaded in the town square Lee. in the city of Lamal. Leah is sentenced to 20 years hard labor and 10 years exile, which is exile. kind of old fashioned yeah. fun. She's like, I don't want to be around you fuckers anyways. Ah, well, fine. Then go live on an island, <laughs> um, which sounds great. Christine's sentence is changed to a life sentence um, of hard labor. At some point, someone comes in and says there was something else going on here and that that the you know, these, uh, psychologists didn't, they basically oversimplified the situation. Mm -hmm. Obviously something else was happening. And can we at least get her, uh, her sentence commuted to a life of hard Mm -hmm. labor or whatever, 20 years of hard labor. Um, so they do, they go find Christine. At this point, Christine has been brought to a mental institution. She's not talking. She's not eating. Um, and she says that she deserves to die the way the jury found her. Um, to be guilty of mm-hmm. that she deserves the charge. Mm-hmm. Um, so she just stopped eating and mm-hmm. she's basically wasting away. Mm-hmm. Um, when they give her the paperwork to sign to say that instead of being sentenced to death and she gets 20 years hard labor or whatever, she won't sign it. Wow. And she uh, uh, just basically sits in silence staring into space. They bring her sister to her. She doesn't acknowledge her, even act like she knows who she is. Oh and she um, eventually dies sorry i said that like lizzie cooperman um dies uh but her sister leah adapts well to prison life and is released when she's 31 31 mm-hmm. so she was she's an old maid at that point. basically and she died july 24th 2001 no no yeah she just lived she went back to wherever the mother lived and like started her life over and then just kind of like lived. There was a, a documentary. I don't, I don't have the name of it, but if you find, if you look up all this stuff, obviously is just a click away. If I can find it, you can find it. But, um, there was a documentary. Someone went and was like, there is a pom sister left and they're like, we're going to go find her. And they find her in like an old folks home oh God, uh, right like, before she died in her nineties. Hey, how was your life? Yeah. In her undies? In her 90s. Oh. <laughs> oh. So it's kind of a... And also there's a movie called Sister My Sister is One Movie. And there's also a bunch of plays. Uh, Jean-Paul Sartre and Jean Genet and all these writers of the time wrote a ton about it because it became this thing about like the working class and yeah. the exploitation of the workers and how unfair you know, people with money were to the working class and that it was That's... kind of a natural uh, reaction. Yeah. They said like, Oh dude, like this is what's going to happen if we keep fucking treating him like this. Yeah. That is crazy. And so violent and gruesome. It's so violent. And also so like they wanted to, sm- they smashed their faces and they <sighs> left their bodies like exposed. Like it was so Beyond, and they didn't try to hide it. That's right. like that to me is like, you know, you know when like someone tries to to argue mental and mental uh, that they were mentally ill, but they like tried to hide the murder. Yeah, it's like no, you weren't because you knew it was wrong, and so you hid it. And like yeah. they didn't do that, which says to me something about them not being mentally they competent. Hid, they hid like children. Yeah, like they waited though. Yeah, they didn't run out of the house, which is just 
they were on the stairs. Yeah. Like they were right there. They should have and could have run out. Yeah. But instead they went to their room and locked the door and, just and got in bed and just like hung out. Oh man, what happened to them in the orphanage? Exactly. Something fucked. Well, fuck dude. What, what are their names again? Christine and Leah Papin. Fuck dude. Thank you. Th- no, thank you. Thank us all. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder and here's the important note that promo code is all lowercase so go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level that's shopify.com slash murder again don't forget the code is all lowercase goodbye georgia have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant like perfectly scrambled eggs oh my god yes karen and then all i want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day well you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient made in cookware made in was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world for years they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware some of tom colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in maiden whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with your meals will benefit from the quality of made in products like their carbon steel cookware it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame it's the mvp of summer cookouts and cook-ins what i really love about made in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a memorial day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw say a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom it's strong enough durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. All right. Mine's fucked up, Mm. but you probably have heard of it. Um, but But it's a good one and I really wanted to do it. So, Karen. Yes. On the night of July 3rd, 1954, mm-hmm. Dr. Sam Shepard. Oh, girl. Hey. Yes. A neurosurgeon and his wife, Marilyn, who was four months pregnant with their second kid. Uh they lived uh, on a lakefront home in Bay Village, Ohio, which is a suburb of Cleveland. Have you been to Cleveland? I've never been to Cleveland. Uh, I don't think I have. We should do a show there. So they're watching a movie 
together. Sam Shepard falls asleep on the daybed in the living room, and Marilyn tucks their seven-year-old son into bed, and then she goes to sleep in their bedroom. And purportedly, in the early morning hours, Sam says he woke up on the daybed to the cries of his wife Mm -hmm. screaming. Uh, He runs upstairs, and he sees an intruder in the bedroom, and he gets knocked unconscious. Then he wakes up. He takes his wife's pulse, and then he sees the intruder downstairs and chases him out. And they they head down to the beach, and there's a tussle, and Sam Shepard's knocked unconscious, unconscious again, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he wakes up, he's like half in the lake, his shirt's gone, his watch is gone, he freaks out, he runs home, finds his wife in their bedroom, bludgeoned to death. And she's on the bed, she'd been hit 35 times, 27 in her head. She had a broken nose, a shattered skull. There's gashes on her forehead and scalp, a fingernail. Oh, gets torn off, which is always creeps me out. And yeah, it's horrifying. Two incisors are broken or ripped out where she'd either bit her attacker or was, you know, hit so hard that her teeth came out. Um, there was evidence of a sexual assault only in that her pajama top had been top had been pushed up around her neck and one of her pajama legs had been taken off and she was posed with her legs spread open but there was no sign of sex or rape and her body was angled in this crazy way at the end of the bed where there was basically like a banister where it was like impossible to have raped her so she was pulled down there mm. to make it look like sexual assault but it wasn't um and the bedroom's covered in blood, and there's blood throughout the house. So Sam Shepard, when he gets back from being unconscious on the beach, he doesn't call the cops. He uh, tested Marilyn's pulse, and then at 5.40 a.m., he calls his neighbors, basically saying, I think they've killed Marilyn. Mm. So he calls his neighbors. The neighbors come over. I think one of them was the mayor of the town, um, and they were over earlier that night for dinner. Um, they find Sam shirtless and his pants were wet with a blood stain on the knee and they, and he leaves them to go find Marilyn's body and then they call the cops. Mm, you know what that makes me think of? Mm-hmm. John Bonet. Exactly. Okay. Uh, so he's taken to the hospital. He's examined by his brother, who's also a doctor. Um, and that then, shouldn't be allowed. Nope. And then a green duffel bag with some of the, the trinkets that are stolen from their house is found close by the house outside in the woods. And like weird stuff, of course, you know, it looks like everyone knows what a staged robbery looks like. It's, you know, drawers are pulled out, but neatly, nothing of value is taken, even though things of value are, are spread out, that sort of thing. And so the police find inconsistencies with his story, and they also think it's outlandish. Um, so he's taken a trial on October 18th. It's my sister's birthday. Oh. Uh, 1954. And prosecutors find out that Shepard had a three year long extramarital affair with a nurse at the hospital where he worked at. It was ongoing. Um, and they argue that the affair was his motive for killing his wife. So she's pregnant. Like he want, he doesn't want this life anymore. That's their argument. And there were a lot of inconsistencies, one of which was that the family dog, and I think this is such a normal thing, was never heard barking, and it always barked at intruders. Yeah. I feel like neighbors say that all the time. Also, their seven-year-old son, Sam, uh, was asleep in the other room during the whole thing and never woke up. And I was like, well, if she's screaming and he can hear her in the living room, then the kid woke up. 
unless he doesn't remember it or unless they were fighting all the time. And so he never got out of bed for it. I mean, or unless he's a heavy sleeper, like I'm a heavy sleeper and you can scream and I won't, really? I won't hear it. Yeah. Unless my dog starts barking. What's so sharp. Yeah. And create like jolting or whatever. But I think like as children, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. They're hard sleepers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other issues brought up at the trial uh, was the fact that there was no sand in Sam Shepard's hair even though he claimed to be sprawled out on the beach, there was no sign on the beach of a life or death struggle um, and where he claimed to tackle Marilyn's killer. He's missing his T-shirts, um, which the prosecutors speculated would have had some of his Sam Shepard's should contain some blood uh, from the alleged attack or struggle with the perpetrator. Um, also, the blood, blood evidence was fucked up. Uh, so Sam Shepard had a watch on and when the intruder first hit him, he still had the watch on and he said that he went and took his wife's pulse, but the watch was found in the green duffel bag. So after the scuffle at the beach, the intruder supposedly took the watch. Um, why did he take it after the second struggle? He had gone through Sam Shepard's wallet supposedly. So why didn't he take it after the first knockout? If he's there for, you know, valuables also, uh, so he took his wife's pulse and touched her face. What he said had happened and he had no blood on his, his body at all. Mm -hmm. And he said he didn't clean himself. So he should have had a transfer of blood to his fingers. He picked up the phone after, and there's no blood on the phone, which is weird. Mm -hmm. Um, so like, why is it so cleaned up? Uh, Let's see. Someone said that they got sick of me saying da 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 the other day. Was it me? <laughs> Are you? No. Oh. So it doesn't matter. Oh, good call. Mm-hmm. Okay. He says he didn't wash or clean up, but there was no like. Also, you know what? Let's listen to your fucking podcast and see what you say all the time and don't say. You'd be amazed at the things that you say and don't say yeah. when you talk for an extended period of time. Fair enough. All right. And all I did is lose my fucking place. <laughs> Listen. Also, now I'm yelling at you. You're yelling at them, but you're making <laughs> eye contact with me. So I'm really, really mad confusing. at you. Why don't <laughs> I turn it towards Steven? You're really the person I'm really me. mad at. I'm triggered. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, da 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 da. Okay. So, oh, fuck. Uh, <laughs> so, there also should have been sand from the beach in his wristwatch if they had actually fought at the beach where he took his fucking watch, and there fucking wasn't. Sand in the wristwatch? Yeah, like if they were fighting on the beach, he knocks him unconscious and then steals his watch. There should be traces of sand in the watch. Yes or no? Well, here's the thing, though. Every time I think of this, it's like, yes, except... No. What are, is this a proven thing where it happens every time? No, you're right, except when you add all the other evidence in, it just kind of, you know, is like a... In there. <laughs> that looked filthy. What you? Oh, just... I did poke. I poked. Oh, I thought it was two fingers. No, it was just one. Um, <laughs> so it's not creepy. <laughs> but also, uh, and this is just from. I think I saw like two minutes of 
this story because I keep avoiding watching a thing on this story because I want to I want to watch the whole thing and I want to read the Errol Morris book who Errol yeah. Morris is totally on Sam Shepard's side. It's, but, this is such a crazy and like, I'm leaving out I'm leaving out a lot of the evidence that people use to say he didn't do it because I don't believe that. This is such a Jack the Ripper scenario yes. where there's so much evidence. Yes. But isn't there a thing where this was not a sandy beach? This isn't the beach. Hmm. This is a small pebble rocky beach because this yeah. is Ohio. So it's like a lakefront beach. It's not tiny sand. Well, what I love about this case and what I love about unsolved crimes is that that's a great argument and let's talk about that and then I want to be like okay but what about this and like yeah there's so many and it's because it's so old too there's no way for us to definitely like we can't definitively say like this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong so he must not have done it or if they saw it once they smelled a rat they didn't care what size the sand was because they were like here's what adds up And here's what we need to add up so we can get this guy. Well, that's a lot lot of people say is that they come to the conclusion and then they find evidence to support their conclusion. Yeah. And that's totally there. And there's also a guy working as like a carpenter on uh, at their house. I didn't write about him. He was obsessed with Marilyn. Supposedly he turned, he ended up being a murderer and like, was in taking advantage of women and was a rapist and like there's what? all this shit that people are like well it was him clearly but I feel like there's so much evidence there that does okay uh, that, I mean seriously it's like 1000 paths yeah also I never knew he was having an affair with a nurse I didn't know she was pregnant the, so the person he was having the affair with was pregnant no his wife was pregnant oh yeah the wife was I pregnant. mean who knows but it's just such a like that is such an obvious motive yes I never knew there was another woman. That's, that's insane. That's more of a, that makes more sense to me than a, a guy who they are familiar with breaking in when the, he knows that Sam is home. That doesn't make any fucking sense. If the person's, well, I'm going to get to that, but if the person's motive was robbery or rape, they wouldn't, they would know that Sam was home and they wouldn't have done it then. Well, and also if his motive was rape, then wouldn't he have gotten, wouldn't he have gotten away with a rape? Yeah. Because if he's going to do all this other stuff and, uh, and, and brutally murder her. Yeah. I think the thing about I'm that to me, not which I'm sure what my point was there. I get it. But what was most telling to me is that around her ankles were, was blood like drag marks that show that the person dragged her to the end of the bed to spread her legs apart. Uh-huh. And there was no way he could have raped her because, uh, what's it called? The banister, the bed frame, like headboard, a uh, foot board, Footboard, bar banister was there. Like he couldn't have gotten on top of her. Yes. And there were drag marks showing that he purposely put her in that position. And so like, why would he not have sexually assaulted her? If that was, why would he break in, to be to rob and then put her in that position without the intent of sexually assaulting her or why because yeah. he was a she because it was the other woman that broke in no. and <laughs> and went berserker and went crazy and was like filled with rage and he had tried to break up with the other woman and he, he was like it up. my wife is pregnant I can't do this with you anymore even though I promised you the moon and the stars were not doing this and she went home one night and it was just like Guess what? I'm. It's fatal attraction time. I would agree with that if the um, injuries weren't as brutal as they were, and she, who seemed like a badass, wasn't couldn't fight back enough to have enough. Like, I don't. The the woman who's pregnant. Yeah, she she wasn't a. She, yeah, the, the 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 brutality of the murder was overkill, and I don't. It didn't seem like something that uh, you know someone her equal would have been able to do. 
Oh, like, because they, they would have had to really overpower her. She Although, overpower. Now, exhibit A, the picture of the the family I was just talking about when the, the <laughs> Papa sisters who fucking decimated these two women. I mean, if we're going to get sued, let's get fucking sued. Maybe it was a seven-year-old son. <laughs> <laughs> Like, let's get sued. <laughs> My favorite murder, trying to get sued trying since to, 2017. Trying to get sued since jump. We're in a new apartment and we're trying to get sued. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's the seven-year-old son. He's not a heavy sleeper. He went down to the beach. He's a heavy hitter. He took all the sand out of his father's watch. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, this is the episode. Sorry. People just hate us. Sorry. All right. You should be. I am. <laughs> I genuinely sorry. Um, no, you shouldn't be ever. Not on this podcast. Mm-mm. This podcast is not a place for sorries. <clears throat> uh, except for... Sorry. <laughs> except for the best kind of sorry, which is not sorry. <sighs> okay, right. Bye, bye, bye. Okay. Would have been th- I'm going to fucking do it constantly now, you motherfucker. Okay, there's no... <laughs> Cut cut to the tweet, and it's from George's mother. <laughs> I didn't even know you knew how to tweet, Mom. Tweet, Mom. You tweeted the criticism. Did she see out of my a mind? A bunch of people looked at my dad's Twitter because he like tweeted something at me, and I retweeted it. And it's all just the whole. Every single tweet is a tweet at me, like being like, "Go, Georgia!" Like <laughs> that sounds fun. Every, he does not tweet anything unless it's like supportive at me, and people lost their minds, <sighs> which is sweet. That's cute. Okay, so he had no blood on him, despite despite the fact that they supposedly, you know, got into altercations twice. Uh, there should and there should have been blood on his hands and fingers if they had actually fought. And um, wristwatch in the green bag, no sand, blood stains should have. Okay, so there were blood spatters on the watch, but not stains. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so there's this article on Crime Lab, Crime Library by Greg O. McCrary, who was a former FBI profile, who's like the dude who like knows some shit, who like didn't come to a conclusion until he read everything. He wasn't biased. So he says that also important importance in analyzing this crime and crime scene is to consider the amount of time it took for the offender to stage this scene. And I think this stuff is really interesting in a mat, in like a matter of uh, reading any crime in general, like any kind of these crimes. He says crime scenes are high risk environments and none more so than a homicide scene. Offenders typically spend no more time than necessary at a crime scene for fear of being interrupted or caught. Consequently, there's a high degree of correlation between the amount of time an offender spends at a crime scene and the offender's familiarity and comfortability with that scene. The more time an offender spends at a crime scene, the higher the probability that the offender is comfortable and familiar with that scene. Offenders who spend a great great deal of time at the crime scene often have a legitimate reason for being at the scene and therefore are not worried about being interrupted or found at the scene. Your face, your face is pissed. No, no, no. I just, now I'm back to that, the handyman. Oh, but why, but he's, he, he looks through a basic window and sees Sam Shepard sleeping on a couch in the house. Why risk that? Well, because then it's even more of a victory it makes me think of like the East area rapist or whatever, where it's like yeah. part of his attack was knowing that the husband was going to be humiliated and in total psychic, emotional pain over what was going on. And maybe yeah. that was part of the risk and part of the high for him. Okay. 
Especially because he was had already been a rapist, which is fucking crazy. I don't know if he already was yet because I didn't look it up. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I am sold on this guy being on Sam Shepard being the murderer, mm-hmm. but I a lot of people are can be unsold very quickly. Okay. Um, he says the offender will off, often uh, manipulate the victims to sco- Oh, here's another. Okay, this is the Jambonet thing. The offender will often manipulate the victim's discovery by a neighbor or family member. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Jean Benet calling, or the Ramseys calling their friend to come over and find the body as they did with their friend. What was his name? Scout. The next door neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Before the police, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so finding, letting someone else find the body to like almost be a witness as well is a fucking thing that they do yeah all right so after deliberating for four days the jury finds Shepard guilty of second-degree murder he's sentenced to life in prison then on July 30th in 1961 F. good old F. Lee Bailey oh yeah that guy mm-hmm. <laughs> who was he played by in uh OJ then the Simpsons um Nathan Lane yes yeah he's so good amazing so he takes over which is like oh everyone's fucked <laughs> Um, he's chief counsel. So Bailey petitions for a writ of habeas, habeas corpus. Something, and I wrote something we should ask Guy Brenham about. Isn't that produce the body? No, I don't know. I was wrong recently, so I'm not going <laughs> to. <laughs> it is. Habeas corpus. I don't know. Steven, Steven. It I, is. That's we, we talked about it when on that episode. Good. Produce the body. <laughs> okay. By the United States District Court. We'll judge. see. I could, there, it could be a version of that. I'm wrong. About You're it. probably right. Uh, who called the trial a mockery of justice and that Shepherds, it shredded the 14th Amendment's of right to due process, which is that kind of fair. The fucking media was like all over the place. Um, it was a carnival atmosphere. The judge refused fucking Stevens pointing at Karen and shaking his head correct. He gave me the old winky wink. Winky wonk and then, yep. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the old two fingers underneath. Oh, <laughs> uh, the old. Uh, so Dr. Shocker said that the carnival atmosphere. No, no. Don't look that up. Uh, <laughs> he didn't. He refused to sequester the jury and told and did not order them to ignore and disregard media reports of the case. And this was fucking next. Like this is this is basically the Simpsons of the 60s and 50s. Yeah. Like this was a huge trial because this like upstanding doctor in this nice fucking area whose parents were also like well to do and well known. Yep. And his wife gets brutally murdered. Sorry, did you say this was 68? In 61 is when Effley Bailey took over the case. Oh, so this is late 50s, early 50, 60s? 54 is when the crime happened. Holy shit. Yeah. I thought it was, for some reason, I thought it was like, I thought it 70s? was Manson. Yeah, yeah. It, it somehow seems that way. Yeah. It does. But I think it's when they were, it was still the like post-war, like, gee golly, we're going to fucking have a normal family and something as you know, in the seventies, you kind of, this happened a lot, but not here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So he, uh, okay. So Shepard served a 10 year, 10 years of his sentence and he gets released because Effley Bailey gets him out. And when he gets released, he marries a woman named Adrienne Teben, Teben Jonas. She's a German woman. They had been corresponding 
during his imprisonment, you know, mm-hmm. she was like, I saw this guy in the newspaper. Yeah. He's hot. <laughs> this is just like out of nowhere. It doesn't matter. But I thought it was so interesting. So uh, her half sister is the wife of Joseph uh, Goebbels, the Nazi propaganda. No. Yep. Her half sister. Married like the like number four Goebbels. Nazi. Yep. Was married to him. What the fuck? I mean, I think he was killed in Nuremberg by then, but... Fuck. Fuck. You know, like, you're not, like, a chill person if your yes. sister... Nope. ...gets married to that half-sister, you, whatever. I, let's let's just let's just guess that you're not, like, super open-minded. Right. You can't... Yeah. There's no way she was, like, a conscientious objector Probably. during the fucking war. There's a, there's a... There is a percentage, but it is a 7% not chance. When they... When their sister marries Joseph... Goebbels. 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 That's heavy duty and not a good association. No, that, that, that has nothing to do with the case. I just found it very interesting. And there's another one of those too. The women in that family were into nutso guys. Dude, you're right. That's like, that's called having a bad picker. Track record. Hello. Fucking <laughs> psychopaths. Kids, those two sisters are like on their beds, on their stomach, but their feet up in the air. Like, you know who I like? They the both devil. have their prison <laughs> photos of their husband. Like, Isn't he dreamy? He's so dreamy. I'm into death. How many did your kill? Your kill Ariana mine kills all of them he just goes around with his scythe and his hood well what did he kill them with because mine used the lamp that was missing from the apartment house all right so this guy who's the former FBI profile Greg McCrary he was involved as an expert witness for the third trial which was a civil suit brought on by Sam Shepard Jr. in 1999 oh, wow. saying that his father had been wrongfully imprisoned like he was suing them to be like his dad was still in prison? No. Oh, he okay. was just trying to clear his dad's name. His oh, dad I see, died I in 1970. I was going to Got it. Sorry. end with that. Um, <laughs> but in 99, the, the son who like clearly had some fucking Stockholm syndrome. Am I wrong? Well, I mean, I mean, we're getting sued by him anyways. Let's fucking, let's just really go for it. Yeah. Well, it ha- seriously, if that happened and your father was like, believe me, I didn't do it yeah. as the child. It's like those girls in the staircase. Yeah. As the child of that person, you're like, he absolutely didn't do it. I need to believe him. Yeah. This is my last living parent. Yeah. Something so horrifying happened to my mom. It can't be the worst thing, yeah. which is what everyone is saying it is. It can't be that. Especially when, you know, since the sixties, you've been insisting it wasn't. And you can't be like, mm, I was wrong. Dad admitted it to me. And, and all of like popular culture is insisting yeah. that he was. It's, yeah. Oh, I mean, there's just as much evidence that he did it than as there is that he didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Like this is a definitely one of those. This is like a Jean Benet opinion case. There's For no sure. answer. Um, so he loses that case. Uh, and so Greg McCrary says, when you look at the case closely and distill it to its essence, you can see that it's nothing more than a staged domestic homicide. And as for the murder weapon, it's, that's sorry, that's that expert guy. Yeah. Okay. He, he examined all the evidence and it's a really interesting, uh, crime library article about it. Uh, as for the murder weapon, cause she got her fucking head bashed in, um, it's just a, one small sentence note at the end of a police report saying that a small lampshade was found on a bookcase in a room on the second floor, that no lamp was found in the murder room, but Sam's notebook lay on the nightstand ready for late night calls. So how would he have taken notes without any light? And, uh, 
Also, a local lamp fixer dude said that days before he had fixed and returned a lamp to their residence. And I, I'm guessing it wasn't found, but there's not a lot of information on that. But this dude said that. All right. So here's the other weird fucking not not have anything to do with this, but so Shepard's third wife, Colleen Strickland Shepard is the daughter of a professional wrestler. Oh, bring it full circle in my relationship with Vince of the, we watch wrestling podcast. So George Strickland, uh, introduced Shepard to, to professional wrestling and trained him to be a wrestler. He made his debut in August, 1969 at the age of 45 as quote killer Sam Shepard. What? Yeah. And Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. What? Yeah. After he's out of jail. Uh-huh. And he drew a huge crowd. I'm, I'm looking for Vince. Vince's. Uh, I said, hey, do you know anything about this dude? And he was like, here's this. <laughs> like, he just didn't care. What Was he just broke and needed money? I or think, like, yes. Oh, that's... There's a really great episode of The Memory Palace, which is one of my favorite podcasts that has like this just quick, beautiful, the way he does... Uh, I think it's episode 86 about what his life might have been like at that point, which was he was broke. He was trying to have a private practice. No one wanted to go to him. Oh, that's right. He married this woman whose dad was a professional wrestler and he drew huge crowds. Oh my God. I know. So, and his, like, I think his dad committed suicide. His mom died, like all this crazy shit. Um, So he, he was a wrestler for a short time. He wrestled over 40 matches. Um, and Vince says, I believe he came up with the mandible claw, which was eventually made popular by mankind, Mick Foley. So my favorite wrestlers, which I love mankind. Do you? He's such a sweet angel. I saw that documentary about him knowing nothing about wrestling at all. And I was like, every time after that, I would just be like, what about mankind? Oh my God. I love him. Mick Foley, angel baby. Love him. He's so sweet. Um, so he has this crazy fucked up and in the, in the memory palace, he's like everyone who's watching him fight wonders if he's thinking about the night he fought his wife. Like it's crazy. (gasps) Oh God. I know. I didn't even think about that. That's why he got a big fucking crowd. Oh, that's that's so dark. So he wrestled over 40 matches before his death in April, 1970 from liver failure. And we don't fucking know. Georgia, that was so awesome. Was it? Oh my God. Thank you. There were so many things. Thank you. Now we have to read that book by Errol Morris because Errol Morris is convinced that it was, that he didn't do it, that the whole thing was like a setup and that the guy that wrote, wrote Fatal Vision, Uh whose name I can't remember, basically exploited every tiny thing so that he could make money because he knew and see, I don't know the timeline, but basically that he was copying the guy that wrote the, wrote Helter Skelter and he wanted wanted that helter skelter money mm-hmm. and so he basically went in and made it seem like he was guilty i guess or that's the that's the fucking owl versus staircase argument yeah. you know what i mean it's yes. just this thing of like you can be adamant about something and then there are these little pieces of evidence that you just can't explain away yeah and so i don't I, and same with jean Bonnet, like i love that i prefer the theory that it was in the family in the same way I prefer that Sam Shepard did it, but I would love to hear why he didn't. And I'd love to hear the evidence that they didn't, but then I will always come back with you, but with, to you with like, okay, but how do you explain that? You know, it's just, that's why I love cold cases. It's, it's so much more 
there's no period on it. Yeah, that's true. Well, also just the idea, like, it seems like he has this perfect storm of people in his life where everybody could be guilty. Like what I would love to now know is the nurse that he was having the affair with. I would just love a, oh yes, she did have a short stint. You know, uh, after coming at somebody with a knife, (laughs) she did kill her second and third husband. Yeah, something like that where you're just like, now it's her. Now it's her. Now I never even thought of her. That's fun. Uh, I mean, it's not fucking fun. It makes me think of um, that Harrison Ford movie. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler alert. alert. Um, Well, The Fugitive, that was a TV show, right? That was made based on Sam Shepard. And it was a Harrison Ford movie. It's one of the best movies of all time. You've never seen The Fugitive? No. You better fucking see it. Well, they say that when that, I leave tonight. Okay, they say that that clouded so many people's images because they don't remember what's from the fugitive and what's not. Yeah, that's right. Because it's so similar, where it's a guy. That's a guy running because his wife is murdered, and he is so looks so guilty that yeah. he knows he can only run. And he's a doctor. Well, he, yeah, it's based on him. Well, so the other thing about it is that 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 evening, it was July third. They had their neighbors over who ended up finding. You know, he called to come over and look at the body. They had them over for dinner that night and they said that they were loving and sweet and wonderful. And then Sam Shepard falls asleep on, like they see him fall asleep on the couch and it's like, okay, is that legitimate? You can argue that they were in love still, or you could argue that they were, he was trying to get evidence that they were happy and normal and he was sleeping. And the, the, what makes me think it's that is that he was also fucking another woman. Yeah. So they're not happy and loving and everything's fine. And he falls asleep on the couch. He's fucking someone else at work and he needs them to see, have his fucking alibi. Yeah. And maybe, maybe the wife is happy and loving because she doesn't know about the other woman. So she's having a totally different, yeah. relationship and a different experience yeah, which and he's this out. crazy mastermind I remember also seeing something in the um whatever that like very short amount that I saw in the, the in the um some documentary about it and then turned off but one of the things was when he they brought him into the hospital like after mm-hmm. um you know he was he was brought in and his brother examined him and all that kind of stuff that he was completely stone-faced emotionless no matter who talked to him mm-hmm. he was not crying he wasn't shaking it was as if he was just kind of like there well he could have been in shock he now totally I'm could, arguing for him. Like, no, I know. He could have just been in shock. He could have been in shock. Well, the other thing is, too, that um, they named all his injuries and shit, but they were all on the left side of his body, which could either mean that the fucking killer was left-handed or he just took his right hand and beat the shit out of himself with his right, right. hand. What are the odds that you'd only have yeah. Yeah. bruises on one side? Yeah. Unless... Unless his arm... The fucking... He bashes in his arm and he can only hit with his... I mean, it's so fun. It's not fun. It's horrible. Marilyn fucking bless her soul. Well, I mean, it's the, it's the, the fact is horrifying. The theorizing and the possibility, because these are people's real lives. Like, of course, aside from the victims, there's the possibility of another victim, which is this doctor who people are, you can see it either way. Yeah. Like the, the victim of circumstance, which is the most romantic. I mean, there was a TV show on, for what 10 years or however long that show was on mm-hmm. and that movie I still can't believe you haven't seen it it's truly one of the best movies I'm gonna watch is. it as soon as we- it's so great the um 
Tommy Lee Jones? Yeah, I'm in. There has to be a couple of these people who are found guilty or who we all think are guilty that we're fucking not. And and there's still a hundred pieces of evidence that I could argue that makes them look guilty. Yeah. And those, that sucks. And we just never know who those people are unless DNA comes along and exonerates them. Some kind of weird, like, we grabbed the the air in the room and that somehow in the future proves, proves this or that Ooh. some future air my air dna theory <laughs> dude i love it but it's it's exactly like the beginning of shawshank redemption where yeah. it's like yes he was drunk yes he was angry at his wife yes she was having an affair da, da, da. he still didn't kill her but he's yeah. gonna, he goes to jail right. for it and he couldn't look guiltier and there's right. nothing he can do and it's just that kind of like it it does happen. I've thought about that like with Vince of like I almost I don't know what happened. I almost dropped something on my head the other day and I was like Vince is sitting here with me. Like I wonder who wouldn't believe him that he said that I fucking dropped something on my stupid head. Yeah, on you your know? own head. On my own stupid head. Right. And like, except for he can't because you've talked so much about thinking he might kill you. You've actually made your own like insurance that he that he will be arrested. And I will be the first one to ring the doorbell. I'll be like, dude, I'm so sorry, but I simply must. You're ar- under arrest. You're you're under citizens arrest. Citizens arrest. You're under podcast arrest. Vince has. I just want to clarify. Vince has never done anything to me <laughs> or is, at me or near me. Vince that is has, one of Vince is the guy who. This is basic. This is basic. Anytime we're anywhere. You guys came to my rap party the other night. You were my guests at my rap party. And Vince is like, as you and I are hot gossing, Vince is like, what can I get you? I know. We just walked in. I mean, you guys had just walked in. Do you need another another Diet Coke? Like, he's just... He's the greatest. So it would be such a turn if he killed you. It would be funny. It's the perfect... He's building the perfect. I mean, I would be surprised. You know, it's not like it's like, oh yeah, because he's been beating me for you. It's like, what? I would be like, whoa. What? In that last moment, you're like, you know what? I got to give this up to you. Go ahead. And he's like, she didn't fight. You earned this. She laughed because <laughs> she's a monster. Oh my God. This is such a horrible conversation. This is one of the greatest. Ladies and gentlemen, Oy stay sexy and don't get murdered. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Elvis. You want a cookie? Oh, yeah. You do? He does. Want a cookie? (laughs) Bye.